I hope family, what a joy it is to be with you today. I am so honored to get to share from here in South Sudan. We want to thank you so much for your prayers, your encouragement, and all of your support as we've been serving the church leaders here in South Sudan over these weeks. We miss you so much. We cannot wait to be back in Houston in uh, just a short time, and we can't wait to be back uh, with you all this month. It's really a special time for us as we're starting the fast here in South Sudan and ending our church fast uh, there with you in Houston. And so we're going through this time with such anticipation and such expectation. I've been reflecting back on all these years now of doing this 21-day fast together and how powerfully God has moved uh, through these years. And I have such anticipation this month and, and this year. And I absolutely love that we will be right there in Houston with you as we are wrapping up this fast together. We are praying for you, uh, praying for 2021 as we have embarked on a new year. I am so thankful for our brother Steve and for all of his uh, leadership in these weeks and and for all that our elders are doing. And I am so excited about God's hand on our church and all that is to come. If you're a guest with us, we're so glad that you're with us. I can't wait to be back in Houston and to get to see you uh, there in person. Uh, Hope family, love you so, so much. And we are so thankful uh, for you and uh, for this time that we have together today. If you will, please bow your heads and let's pray as we dive in. Living God, we thank you for the gift and the joy of this time together. We thank you for the privilege of opening your word and inviting you to speak. Spirit of the living God, we ask that you would move now in our hearts, that you would engage us and touch us, and that you would change us in power. We pray for healing, for encouragement, for uplifting, for joy, and for your direction. It seems every year at this time we are eager for fresh and new things. We are longing for you to touch us in great power and and move us and do something in the new year that you've never done before. And we are certainly praying for that this year. And fathers, we're going through this fast together as a church as we're praying and crying out to you. We ask that you would touch us as only you can. And I pray that you would reveal things through your word today to guide us as we pray. Give us hope and expectation and and even new yearnings. I pray that you would do what only you can do in each one of us. So will you touch us right now in this time? Will you engage our hearts and our, our minds and transform us, mesmerize us with your presence and your glory? We pray that through your word, you would move in us right now by the power of your spirit. We pray this with joy, with thanksgiving and expectation in Jesus' name. Amen. There is a common question that falls on conversations here in South Sudan, there in the U.S., whether in uh, rides with Uber drivers or when you're out getting a, your hair cut or you're engaging a server at a restaurant, It could be when you're sitting under a tree with the witch doctor or talking to a fellow passenger on an airplane. It could happen anywhere, at any time, all around the world. And it's this simple question of what does it mean to know God? 
What does it mean to be in relationship with him? What does it mean to be a part of his family? What does it mean to use a, a phrase that followers of Jesus use? What does it mean to be saved? To be saved from your sin, saved from this path that you may be on towards, towards hell and towards an eternity away from God? What does it mean to be saved from yourself, from that sin that you carry? What does it mean to be saved from the death, the eternal death that, that you are deserving because of that sin? What does it mean to be saved from the kingdom of, of Satan in which all of us were born? So what does it mean to be saved, to be in relationship with God and communion with God and his family, to be plucked from the kingdom of darkness and taken into the kingdom of light? To be saved into God's family, into God's kingdom, into a joyous, beautiful, perfect eternity with him. What does it mean to be saved? Well, that's the question that Jesus is going to answer for us in the scriptures today. This really simple, pure question, it's not complex, it's not really deep at the, at the core of it. It's, it's profound, but it's, it's really simple. So we're gonna study two stories today. And the first, Jesus is going to show us a side of himself and how we can walk in that. And, and second, he's going to show us what it really means to know him and how we can walk in that. So if you have your Bible with you, if you have a, a Bible from the pew back in front of you, let me invite you to turn to Matthew chapter eight. Matthew chapter eight. We have been on a journey through the book of Matthew. Uh, for many weeks, months, we were going through the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus sat down and he was teaching his followers. Since then, through Matthew chapter 8, we've had the joy of seeing the experiences many were having with Jesus as his power was flowing uh, through them to touch many around him. The power of the Holy Spirit, the power of the living God at work through Jesus, just as it is through each one of us today who follow him. You see, what's so powerful about Jesus is that when he went into the wilderness after his baptism, he endured this temptation for 40 days by Satan and the Holy Spirit was with him because at his baptism, the Holy Spirit had come down like a dove and Jesus, by the power of the Holy Spirit, so many miracles began to, to come from him. And the Bible says this was really significant. Multiple places in the New Testament, including Acts chapter 2, where, where Peter in his sermon says that Jesus was a man attested by God with all types of signs and wonders. So God was doing these miracles to show that Jesus was set apart, that, that he was the Messiah, he was different. He was someone that everyone should pay attention to. The Messiah was one who had been prophesied for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. All of these prophets which kept talking about this Messiah who would come, the promised one, the anointed one, the one who would finally save Israel from all of their sin. And the Israelites waited and waited and waited if the prophets foretold the one who would be born of a virgin and born in Bethlehem, who would one day be killed, but he would fulfill every promise made to Adam and to Abraham and to David. 
And Jesus finally came and God wanted to show all of the Israelites that, that here he was. So all these miracles started to happen. But as it became clear to followers of Jesus, it wasn't just a one-off uh, for Jesus. No, the, the same spirit at work through him would also be at work through them. Now he was fully man, fully God. He was, he was set apart in a different way. But the power of God is also at work through each one of us because we are promised that at the moment when we follow Jesus, when we believe in him and surrender our hearts and our, our lives to him, that, that his spirit, his presence also rests with us and those miracles also take place through us. This mind-blowing thought, this reality that's, that's hard for us to grasp when we first follow Jesus. And, and then it's easy for us to think, well, surely we must say the right thing or do the right thing. And we suddenly have to realize that it's not about us in any way simply about the presence of the living God at work through us as we obediently and faithfully follow him. We pray for the sick and we seek to drive demons out of those who are demonized. And we allow the power of God to do what he does because his presence is already with us. We're gonna see Jesus model this for us here. In Matthew chapter eight, let's begin in verse 14. And when Jesus entered Peter's house, he saw his mother-in-law lying sick with a fever. So Jesus would travel around with his disciples. And when we think about discipleship, one of the most important aspects of discipleship is just time together. That's why our discipleship groups are, are so key for us as a church. They're a part of our home groups. Every covenant member is tied into a discipleship group. And, and, and those groups of maybe three or four or five ladies or three or four or five men uh, meet and connect weekly for that time together. And, and that weekly time is so key, so important, because the more time we have together, the more we will be transformed by one another. It was so tough for us during COVID because we were spread apart. We weren't able to have that normal time together. Even as we re-engaged in the, in the fall, it was a, a challenge for us with, with sort of being connected. And even as we go into the spring, we know it's not yet like normal, but as the elders were talking and connecting together, there was just this yearning for us. How can we have as much time together as possible? It's so important, so important, that weekly connection to, to be together and to lean in on one another by the power of God, his presence at work with us for the sake of discipleship. That's what the disciples were getting here with Jesus where they were with him almost every waking moment, it seems. At times, they're just traveling around, moving around together, so much time with Jesus. People have often remarked that it was amazing. Jesus was only doing his full-time ministry for three years, and then his disciples that took over as he ascended into heaven and the world was changed. Well, it's so true, but that was three years together. It seems like almost every waking moment for three years, whereas we're just getting once a week and we need every moment we can get. So powerful this time that Jesus had. Here he is moving around, going into Peter's home. So just think about the significance of it. It wasn't just gathering together for coffee once a week, you know, or, or gathering in, a, in, in, in some, some person's home, but it was actually in their homes, moving around and seeing and doing all he was doing. The Bible doesn't nearly record everything that, that happened between Jesus and his disciples, but even this glimpse that we get is such a powerful insight into what it must have been like to be in one of Jesus's disciples. Well, he went into Peter's home and saw his mother-in-law lying sick with a fever. She wasn't feeling well. 
So we often don't think about the disciples as married, but here, here Peter clearly was, his mother-in-law not feeling well. And so verse 15, he touched her hand and the fever left her and she rose and began to serve him. It, it, it's such a short story and yet uh, profound. Here is Jesus, such empathy and, and compassion. He, he sees Peter's mother-in-law, he just walks over to her and, and touches her. The, the, the power, the presence of the, the living God at work in him so that he could just touch her and she could be healed. We often think of healing as a, as a time of prayer, and it, and it is commonly. Um, maybe a word that's spoken as elsewhere we see in the New Testament, also true. But we can't miss the power of touch. That's one reason we love to invite you to come forward for post-sermon prayer and, and love all the times of prayer that we have, whether in discipleship group or, or at our retreats or, or just at any moment when we gather together and one hopeful may say to another, hopeful, may, may I pray for you? And, and very commonly we will just place our hand on the other person's shoulder and be, begin to pray for them. And I don't know how many times we've been in a prayer for healing and someone will say it, it felt like uh, somebody else's hands were becoming hot as they were they had their hand on their shoulder and they were praying for me and I, I felt like the power of God was just at work in me. And, and by the grace of God, power of God, we've seen so many miracles take place in our Hope family over, over these past nine years together. God has poured out his grace on us so many times. And I think it's easy for us to dismiss the, the power of, of touch in that equation and how it works, I don't know. And, and we don't know, only, only God knows. But very powerful here that the, the presence of God um, was there. I, I remember vividly this, this experience of, of healing, um, a, a demonic deliverance and, and the healing that came with it. Uh, one of my first encounters where I was watching someone deal with this, this demonic attack and many of us prayed and prayed and a large a number of us had, had gathered together. One by one, people were coming in the room uh, praying and this attack was just enduring. Uh, but we had called someone who was our leader and the moment that he came in, everything shifted, everything changed. He didn't even, he hadn't even prayed yet. He hadn't even said anything yet. It was just the moment he came in and it felt to me, I, I didn't have anything objective to go off of, but subjectively, it, it felt to me that the moment he walked in, everything changed, as if the spiritual atmosphere changed. And, and sure enough, the demonic attack was gone. Just the moment he came in, he hadn't even said anything or done anything. It seemed that it was just the presence of God on this man. And I feel like it's the same with Jesus. It's so beautiful to me. I absolutely love this. Jesus just touches her and she's healed. And look what she does. She rises and she begins to serve him. What would you do if Jesus touched you and you were radically healed? How would, how would you feel if your life was just totally changed? For those of us who follow Jesus, it's, it's easy to forget what it was like that moment when we first encountered him. Maybe you're with us today and you never followed Jesus and today we, we invite you to do so, to experience his love, his compassion, his heart to heal you in every way. The fact that he's already lived and, and died on a cross, risen from the dead, offered his body as a sacrifice himself, offered himself to take the sin that you and I deserve if we believe in him and trust in him. And, 
and follow him. He saves us from that sin and saves us into his kingdom, saves us into a perfect eternity with him. If we just surrender ourselves and believe him and, and follow him. And when we realize what he's done, the radical nature of what he saved us from and what he saved us into, we can't help but want to serve him with our whole heart, whatever it means, wherever he takes us, wherever we go around the world. Our heart is just for him to be glorified. I, I love that this was the response of Peter's mother-in-law. It was as if her heart was saying, thank you, Jesus. Please let me serve you. Whatever I can do to, to honor you and to, to bless your name. And Hope family, I love that. I love we can see that. We see that with Chris and with Keegan, don't we, with Shao, with all that they've done, with this, with this heart of, oh, Jesus, we love you. Whatever we can do. We see it with Ryan and Katie, don't we, with, with um, their ministry through, through food. Lord Jesus, let us do more. How can we do more just to bless you and, and to serve you? We see it with so many hopefuls who are serving internationally. Lord Jesus, we offer our lives to you. Take us anywhere around the world. Just let us serve you. We see it with so many hopefuls who day by day by day by day are serving in their homes and, and in their communities. I think about all that Lauren Hance does and that outreach, very powerful outreach she has to, to artists in our community and so many hopefuls all across our church who are doing so many things in their workplaces and, and in their homes out of their love for Jesus, just to say, Lord Jesus, you've done so much for me. Now, what can I do uh, to serve you? I love that. That evening, verse 16, they brought to him many who were oppressed by demons and he cast out the spirits with a word and healed all who were sick. This was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. He took our illnesses and bore our diseases. Again, Jesus was this Messiah, this promised one of old. And here Isaiah, one of the prophets, one of the major prophets from the Old Testament, had written this line, he took our illnesses and bore our diseases. And, and Jesus did that. What a beautiful Savior. What a profound encounter with the living God the Israelites were having. And how mind-blowing it is that the world now is supposed to have that encounter through you and me. We may feel unworthy, I certainly do. We may feel so small, I certainly do. But this was the power and the presence of the living God to be at work through you and me so that those who have never experienced God can, can do so as he flows through us. We see two types of healing here. One, a, a physical healing of Peter's mother-in-law and, and, and many others. And second, those who are oppressed by demons. Now, later on in Matthew chapter eight, the translation is going to be demon possession uh, with, with a man who's very strongly demon possessed. Now, the Greek word is daimonitsomai, which is actually the same Greek word in, in this passage that it is in, in that passage. So oppressed by demons is later translated demon possessed. Sometimes we try to delineate in the English between oppressed and, and possessed. And, and there is a helpful delineation, I think, in the English. But, but in this case, in this passage, I just want to make it clear that, that it is all daimonitsomai in the Greek, which literally means that someone has a demon. So when Jesus is casting out the spirit, someone may say, how can he cast out spirits if they're oppressed? How we generally teach it at hope, how they're oppressed as in attacking from the outside and not attached or, or demonized. But literally the Greek means demonized. Daimonitsomai literally means that, that these are people who are, are demonized. So 
we could read this passage. That evening they brought to him many who were demonized and he cast out the spirit with the word. So for all of us who have been through our, our Hope Church discipleship on, on spiritual warfare and, and haunt on how uh, spirits are attacking people, there certainly is that oppression uh, where spirits are, are attacking, uh, we sometimes say from the outside or, or externally to try to use a spatial term. And uh, then there is that demonization where spirits are attached to people, daimonitsumai, which literally means that someone has a demon. So literally meaning that someone has a demon and he cast out those demons with a word. I'm so thankful for our Hope family and, and how sensitive we are to the, the presence and the reality of, of spiritual warfare and, and, uh, and demonic attacks, certainly consistent with how our African brothers here are perceiving the scriptures and all of us able to experience the power of God. As so many of us have, have seen freedom from those external attacks uh, by the enemy ways we have experienced uh, nightmares and, and all sorts of different types of external attacks. We, we might say been oppressed by, uh, by the spirits, um, but certainly also this daimonitsumai, which is very beautiful here. So that evening, after seeing everything that Jesus had done with Peter's mother-in-law and, and his other experiences, they brought to him many who were oppressed by demons, many who were demonized. Isn't it beautiful? They, they must have given such hope to the community, inviting them, come, come, come see a man who can, who can heal you. And, and you can only imagine that people were saying, really? I've suffered all these years. Can someone really heal me? And he cast out the spirits with a word. Just like Peter in Acts 16 uh, would have said many years later, by the name of Jesus, be gone. With a word, the spirits were gone and he healed all who were sick. This is the love of God. This is the heart of God for you today. You may be dealing with demonic attack. You may not. You may be dealing with the physical illness. You may not. It might be emotional. It might be a brokenness of the heart. It might be many different other types of, of pain that you're experiencing. And Jesus' heart today is to heal you and to touch you. In a moment, we'll have our prayer team up front. We're just going to invite you to come and to receive that prayer and ask the power of God to move in you so that the heart of God will just touch you with that healing that he, he loves to give. The passage continues, verse 18. Now when Jesus saw a crowd around him, he gave orders to go over to the other side. And a scribe came and said to him, teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. Well, this was a, the experience. People were mesmerized by Jesus. They were fascinated by him. They saw his power and they wanted to be with him. And, and Jesus needed to know if, if their hearts were truly to follow him, truly, truly to follow him, or, or if they were only mesmerized by his power. In other words, were they fascinated by, by what they saw as if they were just entertained by it, or did they really want to know him and, and to walk with him? Verse 20, Jesus said to him, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Jesus would call himself uh, the Son of Man. There's a reference he gave to himself. Obviously, he was also the Son of God, fully man, fully God. And Jesus was using this, this phrase here to be able to, to explain to them that he was traveling all around, but he had, he had no home. In other words, it wasn't going to be easy to follow him. It wasn't as if he was living a, a glamorous life. Another of the disciples, verse 21, said to him, Lord, let me first go and, and bury my father. In other words, I want to follow you, but let me, 
bury my father. And Jesus said to him, follow me and leave the dead to bury their own dead. So let, let me just paint the scene. Jesus here healed so many people, drove out so many demons. The crowds were amazed and mesmerized, just flocking to him. But it, it came time for Jesus to, to continue his journey. And so one man wants to follow him. The scribe, the, the one who used to, to, to write down uh, things, uh, the literacy rate in that time being only about 3%. So they had special people who would write things uh, down as part of the Jewish uh, system. And the scribe wanted to follow Jesus. So it would go from being a Jew to becoming a, a Christian, a, a follower of Jesus. And, and Jesus wants to make sure he knows that this isn't a glamorous life. Jesus is just walking around, nowhere even to, to really stay. And another disciple said, Lord, let me first go and, and bury my father. And, and Jesus says, you follow me and let the dead bury their own dead. At first glance, this may seem rather harsh from Jesus if he's telling the man not to even bury his father, but it doesn't seem that this is Jesus' heart. There's another place in the scripture where a man wants to to bury um, his parent, and, and Jesus says, definitely go bury and, and then follow me. And so Jesus' heart, certainly with, with all this compassion that we saw from him would, would be for the man to bury his father, but it seems that Jesus was getting at something deeper, which is, are you really committed to follow me? Just as if he was saying to the first man, you understand that if you're gonna follow me, I don't even have a place to lay my head. I, I'm just walking around living a very simple, rugged life. You're going to have to lay everything down if you really want to follow me. And that's exactly the point to the second man. You have to lay everything down if you want to follow me. And hopefully that's our point today. We can be attracted to Jesus because of his love, his compassion, his grace, his mercy, his power, how he can heal us and free us of all that we experience. But if we fully want to know him and to follow him, we have to lay everything down. We can't come to him and say, God, I only want just these good blessings that you're going to pour into my life, but then I'm still going to live my own way. No, we have to come to him and say, God, I give you everything, everything. And so many of us who long to follow Jesus and long to know him have, have said that we want all of God. We want to experience the fullness of him, but that we've never surrendered everything to him. There's part of our money we want to keep for ourselves. There, there's part of our, our time we want to keep for ourselves. There are things with our family we, we struggle to lay down. There, there are preferences and wishes and, and wants with the job that we have or the, the clothes that we wear, or the, the possessions we have or the things we do or the the interests that we take or the things that we watch or the books that we devour or the ways that we do the things that we do. And it's as if we've said to God, I'll give you most of my life, but they're just, they're just these things I'm going to hang on to. We don't vocalize that. It's not that we actually say that necessarily. In fact, I think by the time we vocalize it, oftentimes we're getting close to experiencing a breakthrough, but so what I'm not worried about is those who are saying, I know I'm struggling in this area, but I'm fasting and praying, begging God to help me to lay it down. That is godly. Thank you. That is godly. I commend you for that. I'm with you in that. I'm with you in that. We are together in that. My concern is where there are areas of our heart where we just don't even want to pray about it. We don't even want to bring it to God. We just 
struggle to lay it down and you may not yet be following Jesus and you may be having that experience where you say, oh, but if I come to Jesus, I'm going to have to lay everything down before him and I, I just don't know there's this addiction that I'm clinging to or, or this part of my life I really struggle with the idea of can I really surrender it and if you're grappling with that, you're grappling with the right thing. It's really the right thing. Following Jesus uh, comes with a cost. And Jesus is clear about that. He is incredible. There is nothing like following Jesus. His love and his power and his mercy. I tell you, the day that he followed, that I followed him, he changed my life. But it came with such a moment of surrender. I to fall on my knees and just say, Jesus, I give you everything. I give you my whole life. I'll go anywhere. I'll live anywhere. I'll do anything. And that has been my repeated mantra up to this day. Jesus, I will do whatever you want me to do. I love you with my whole heart and with my life. And with that comes a freedom and with that comes a joy that I can't even express. But there is that moment where all of us have to come face to face with the living God and just say, are we, are we really surrendered? The other night I was really just a short distance from where I am right now, maybe 30 feet away in our mud hut kitchen out here. And it came time to shut down for the night. And um, we were doing the final sweeping and wiping down and making sure everything is closed down, turning the lights off. We were just about to turn the lights off and I, and I, heard, a, I heard a scream and immediately stopped. And then I heard this yell from Shauna, snake, there's a huge snake. And I just started running through the darkness. It's against our, our Swan family rule because that could mean I run on another snake, but all I knew was that there was a snake on the other side of our place and Shauna was face to face with it. I was dashing through the darkness, yelling for our watchkeeper here, asking him um, to come. Mure, mure, mure my bene. Asking him, will you come here? There's a very big snake. By the time I got there, um, Shauna was okay, uh, but the snake had had vanished, the snake was gone. And frantically, we began to search, obviously very cautiously, but I mean, it's pitch black. The moon hadn't come up yet. We had our flashlights out um, and, and we're searching through the grass and looking all around and the snake had gone, we have a bamboo fence, the snake had gone under the fence to the other side, at least so we thought, but we're trying to keep the kids close. We're searching, looking, our, our watch keeper, good friend goes to the other side. He's, he's looking, he's got his bow and arrows and, and suddenly we hear a thud and another thud and he's found the snake uh, by the grace of God. He found the snake and he shot it twice with his arrows and then um, was able to to finish off the snake, but it was a harrowing encounter because the snake was trying to come back through the fence to the other side and about half its body came through and it was just a crazy, crazy moment. When the snake was killed, we all gathered around it, about a five foot long cobra, the biggest cobra I had ever seen. And you could tell how shaken he was, um, just saying that this snake will kill a man in a heartbeat. Uh, it's just, it was just so big. And it was really this, um, 
yet another powerful encounter because Shauna was, was walking in to this mud hut and she was about to be trapped with a snake and, and the head was sticking out praise God so that she could see it because if, if the snake had been back just a couple of feet, she wouldn't have seen it. She could have walked in, been right there with the snake. Who knows? So we gathered around um, as a family that night and it was just this simple question of, do we believe God or do we not? You know, do we believe that he is our, our loving watchkeeper or is he not? Is, is he sovereign or is he not? Is he good or is he not? Is he, is he just full of love for us or is he not? And we thank God from the bottom of our hearts for his protection. Uh, but it leads us once again to say, um, are we truly surrendered to him? Do we tru truly just cast our lives in him, on him? You know, what, whatever, whatever he has for us. And it's so beautiful, just Shauna and, and the kids and their, their faithful um, obedience to God and, and surrender to God and, and really just these powerful moments of saying, will we, will we follow God no matter, you know, what we encounter and, and will we just, just rest in him in that? He, he doesn't promise us anything except that he'll be with us. And, and is that good enough for us? And it most certainly is. I can't imagine any better promise than that. The King of Kings and Lord of Lords, who is perfectly good, perfectly holy, and only does that which is for our good and for his glory would be with us. And so we thank him. And our hearts are full of joy and gratitude as a hope family, as we journey together in him and as we, as we come before him and say, God, we are, we are surrendered in all ways, at all times, for all things and for the glory of your name. And Hope Family, I just want to encourage us as we continue through this fast together. If there's any part of you where you may not feel surrendered, just to bring it before the King. And, and for all of us, if I may ask and, and even beg for all of us to come before him, um, my, myself just right there in the front of the line, just saying, um, Jesus, is there any way where, where I'm not surrendered before you? Father, any way where where there's anything in me that's not certain, we just reveal that so that so that these weeks, these three weeks together can can just be this time of, of consecration before him where, where we ask him, we just reveal it, just, just highlight anything about me, anything I'm holding it on to, whether it's things I'm thinking, things I'm doing, things I'm saying, things I'm owning, whatever it is, anything about me would just surface that so that all things can be can be surrendered before you as our as our offering. That, that very powerful, powerful idea from Jesus, follow me, follow me fully, not partially, just follow me fully. And then I think Jesus would say, and then experience all that I have for you. My, my, my heart for healing is, is for you either way, but if you're following me fully, you'll experience the fullness of all that I have for you. And Hope Family, I long for that for us. Guests with us today, long for that for us, to experience the fullness of all that Jesus has for us in mind, soul, and body as we surrender everything before him. So let me ask you to stand. Let me ask our music team and our prayer team to come. It is a joy to invite you for prayer today. You may want to come uh, with an area where you're not surrendered or, or multiple areas and, and just come receive prayer. You might want to come because of physical illness or something that you're grappling with uh, emotionally or, or spiritually, some sort of demonic attack, anything you might be dealing with today, please, please come. You might say, Peter, I'm, I'm dealing with a physical challenge, but 
I'm recognizing also I'm not, not yet fully surrendered in some areas and can I come or do I not come? Please come. God's heart is for healing for you. Even as you grapple with these areas of surrender, his heart is for healing, please come. We'd love to pray for you, anything that you're going through today. And most of all, if you've never journeyed with Jesus before, but, but you are desperate to experience that salvation from, from your sin and, and from the kingdom of Satan into the kingdom of God, into, into his joy and into his peace, into the fullness of all that he has for you. We would be so honored to talk with you and pray with you. Let's pray together. Father, it is such an incredible joy and honor to be together with our Hope family today. And I just thank you for your heart for us, how you love for us. This picture of Jesus going into the home, seeing Peter's mother-in-law, having compassion for her and just touching her. And by a touch, she was healed. Beautiful, so powerful. And Lord Jesus, by the move of your spirit, we ask that you would touch us one by one right now even for those of us who, who won't leave our seats. In addition to all of us who are gonna come forward, just hungry, coming for prayer, will you just touch us, touch us, each one of us, one by one. Those of us who are listening by podcast, will you touch us? We ask for that touch, that touch of healing, that touch of hope, that touch of transformation, that touch of surrender. Surrender can be so hard for us. Some of us grappling deeply with areas of surrender and struggling to let go. And maybe, maybe things we have long held on to, things that mean so much to us. And we struggle just to surrender them fully to you. And there's this invitation from you, Father, today of, of just trust to me and allow me to do it. And so, God, we ask that you would just do it in us. You would stir us, you'd move in us. And that through this fast, but I ask that even right now in this moment, you would touch us for surrender. You would just speak to us, speak to our hearts, just to lean in on you, just to trust you, and that you would do your work in us so that we as a, a surrendered people will experience all that you have for us. We're hungry, God. We don't just want part of you, we want the fullest of you, we want to, to know you fully, to, to just walk in your kingdom and in fullness of joy and peace and all that you have for us. We love you, God. And we thank you for the way that you're inviting us to journey even deeper with you. We're hungry for all that you have. Father, I thank you for this Hope family, a joy beyond words to be on this journey with a Hope family who loves you so profoundly. God, do your work in us, move in us, take us deeper than we've ever been before. We long for you. And will you do it right now, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Love you, Hope family, so much.